Welcome, gamers, to Base Arcade Pause Menu, the show where we hit pause, sit back, and just chill. I'm your host, Ben Magnet, and today on the show, I have a YouTuber who is also a fan of one of my favorite video game systems of all time, the Nintendo 3DS. Please welcome to the show, Emily. Emily, how are you today? Hi, I'm doing great, Ben. All right, so you run the YouTube channel, or you host the YouTube channel, Orbology, or Am I saying it correctly? Because I know literally right before we started recording, I was trying to say it and I still was saying it wrong. It's all right. It's Orbology. Orbal. Um, and so for those who aren't familiar, it's a play on one of the magic systems in the, tra- uh, the Legend of Heroes uh, Trail series. Okay. One of the many RPGs I have not played, unfortunately. But it's a long one, so I don't blame yeah. you. Well, of course, with a lot of different JRPGs, they're like stupid long. I mean, well, not stupid long, but, you know, they're like a good 40, 50 some odd hours. Because I think the longest time I put into any JRPG, I want to say was Star Ocean uh, to the end of time with the PS2. That one took me a very, very long time to beat. But we're not talking about Star Ocean. We are talking about the Nintendo 3DS. But before we go into the Nintendo 3DS, I would like to know a little bit more about you. So, Emily, how did you get into video games? Uh, So I started very young. Uh, My dad was getting into computer gaming when I was like five or six. And when he would buy himself a game, he would buy me a game. And we would be kind of gaming in the same room next to each other. So it was a very nice little bonding experience where I would play all the like humongous entertainment games like uh, Putt-Putt and Freddy Fish, those type of games. So that was, and now I just got the flashbacks. <laughs> yes, that was my childhood. And my first console um, then was the Game Boy Color. Uh, so I was about like 10 at the time when that came out. So uh, a lot of great memories. Um, I think the first few games was like Super Mario Brothers and uh, Pokemon Silver. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, Pokemon that was my Silver. Foundation. Pokemon mm-hmm. Silver represent right there. That's yep, my, yep. it's my all time favorite, and dare I say, the best one of the entire Pokemon franchise. It's my favorite too. I've been meaning to play Soul Silver on the DS, but I've been slacking. Yeah, Soul. Uh, I let's not talk about Soul Silver. I mean, I have oh, Soul no. Silver. No, I, I have Soul Silver. I do have the game. I unfortunately don't have my original copy of Silver version anymore because the battery died, and long before I realized you can change the batteries just to take it to a local game store mm-hmm. they can repair it. it's an easy fix it's nothing too hardcore but before i realized they can do that i just went ahead and sold my copy of the game and then one of my best friends got me just the cart because i was an idiot and i didn't realize that pokemon games don't go on sale after a while yeah 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 so i unfortunately fell into that trap But the reason why I asked you to be on the show today is you recently put up a video about collecting for the Nintendo 3DS on your YouTube channel. And the Nintendo 3DS is a system that's very near and dear to my heart. So before we get into that, um, how exactly did you get into the 3D? I I mean, I'm pretty sure this answer is for everyone. It's like, I saw the 3DS, I thought it was cool, so I went and bought it. But um, what makes the 3DS so special to you as a gamer in particular? Well, actually, the 3DS was the system that got me back into gaming. So oh, me too. when I went to college and then grad school, I kind of had gaming on the way back end. And it was I like that's how I missed out on the DS era and everything like the PS3 and all those systems. So it wasn't until uh, this guy, A Link Between Worlds, <sighs> came out that it got me super excited for gaming again. And I picked up the special edition um, along with the game. and. Yeah, it was 
then that really kind of kickstarted my love for gaming and collecting again. All right. So uh, audio listeners, I know you can't see, but I mean, both of us, we she has black hair. I have blonde hair. Um, Are we twins? Because <laughs> it's sounding like I, it. <laughs> no, because you and I literally have the same exact story of how we were in college. We were in a bit of a gaming funk and a link between worlds brought us back. That's literally the exact, almost the exact <laughs> beat for beat. It's like, well, I have, I guess I have a, a gaming sister now. This is awesome. <laughs> Yeah, I, I've heard a few people that kind of experience something similar to us, but not many. So this is great. Yeah, yeah, because the, for the longest time when I was in when I was in school, video games were also on the way back end. Like when the PS Five was, or the not PS Five, my God, the PS Four was coming out. Mm-hmm. I was very, I want this, but I don't know if I really do. Because you know you're you're in that transitional period of college where you're trying to figure out who you really are, what you really want to be, and all that and all that jazz. But I still had my 3ds. I was still playing games, but I was very like I don't know, nothing really interests me. And then Link Between Worlds comes out. I'm like, oh, you know, that looks looks really neat. And one day, my mom was I was with my mom at a Best Buy, and I was I was like, man, I really want this game, but I don't have the money for it. And she's like, well, I'll get it for you. You're 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 going through school. School's hard. Next thing I know, I am dumping so many hours into the game. I'm looking up guys to try and find all the little, the little octopi, the little Maori, I think they're called, or more. Yeah, you know the little octopus dudes. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm blanking on the name too. Yeah, I'm trying to find those guys, and I'm trying to get everything. And after I beat the game, I'm just sitting there going, "This was one of the best gaming experiences I've ever had in my entire life." Did you play um, a Link to the Past? Because that's what I'm, that was my favorite game on the Game Boy Advance when they made that port. And so when I saw A Link Between Worlds coming out as the like the sequel, uh, that's that's what really got me hyped. Unfortunately, I've never played Link to the Past. I my, the very first Zelda. Yeah, it is. Well, thankfully the mini the mini is uh, hooked up to the TV. It's definitely one of those games that's on my I must play before I die list. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, my whole experience with Nintendo growing up was started with a Game Boy, Game Boy Pocket. We got Game Boy Pockets, and then we begged our parents for Game Boy Colors, um, Game Boy Advance, of course. Then the I got a DS for Christmas, and the 3DS was the first system by myself. But for home consoles, it was mostly uh, we were mostly a PlayStation family until the Wii came out in 2006. And that Christmas, I got myself a Wii and a copy of Legend of Zelda: Twilight Princess, and that was the mm-hmm. first Zelda game I played the whole way through very cool yeah i actually yeah. haven't played most of the console zelda games it's all been mostly handheld except the ones that have been on the switch yeah they are... I, yeah, definitely missed all those eras <laughs> yeah let's just say actually the reason why i bought my 3ds in the first place was to play ocarina of time because huh. i yeah I, i've told the story a million times but i've had it i had an n64 but when i did have my n64 it wasn't to play ocarina or mario 64 i wanted it for pokemon stadium and mario kart <laughs> that's all i cared about it was mario kart pokemon stadium smash bros and i didn't care about anything else fast forward years later i'm talking to some friends of mine and i'm saying yeah i never played ocarina time and they go blasphemy <laughs> so when ocarina and eventually majora's mask came out on the 3ds it was like a godsend but we will definitely get to that so as you know the nintendo 3ds eShop is closing very soon you made a great uh, 27 odd minute video about collecting for the 3ds today in the waning days of the store what made you what was the driving i mean besides the the store closing soon what was the driving force for you um wanting to make that video uh, so i 
like to do kind of educational sort of videos about collecting on my channel. And the 3DS is one of the systems that I've been really big into collecting these past few years, um, even before the eShop closure announcement, uh, because it's one of my favorite systems. And so I was getting a lot of questions about what sort of games people wanted, uh, like they could still buy, you know, with the increasing prices we've been seeing. So that was sort of the thought behind that video specifically. And um, just to give some tips and kind of pointers of how you might want to prioritize some releases before uh, prices get even more astronomical. Yeah, I recently went to a Portland Retro Gaming Expo and definitely one of the games or one of the systems that was on my list for hunting was 3DS games. Because just like you, I also love hunting for the 3DS, not just because it's my favorite system, but also because the cases are small and I don't have a lot of space in my house. They have nice spines. They look nice on the shelf. <laughs> they really do. Unfortunately, I don't have a shelf. I have a dresser <laughs> with has all my games in it, but they do necessarily look nice. So um, going to your video for a hot second, you mentioned that a lot of games, especially the like the lot of Nintendo, the first party Nintendo titles are very easy to find, such as Ocarina of Time, um, Super Mario 3D Land, or even um, this little bitty uh, Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon, or maybe even the original Luigi's Mansion. Um, was there a game or certain or or games in that video that you wish you were able to talk about? But after you published it, you're like, dang it, I forgot this one. Uh, let's see. Um, I'm sure I admitted plenty of things. Um but as far as, I guess, games that are still readily available, um, you really can't go wrong with most of the first party Nintendo games. So even ones I didn't mention uh, because they just had so many different printings and mm -hmm. a lot of them also got world editions, which um, is basically just the North American carts, but uh, packaged in a way to sell to a different region. And that region specifically didn't have an eShop. So they just have huge surplus of physical games still that's why you could buy a lot of these games brand new uh, for msrp so. oh actually that was one other thing i was hoping to talk to you about um in your videos in your 3ds one and other videos you mentioned about or you talk a lot about buying from these websites where it is like you said it's a north american cartridge and it's not technically region locked but the packaging is much different from a north american from a north american cart How, um how how did you find out about those? Because I only just recently found out about sites like Play Asia, and uh, from your channel and I um and IS America, and I'm like these games. I mean, if they work on my system, cool. But at the same time, it's like, are these like I'm? I guess I'm a little cautious. So how how did you find out about that? Uh, I'm just I'm a researcher in uh, in real life, so I just love <laughs> researching things I'm interested in. So just did a lot of internet digging and. Um, some, uh, I guess, touch and go when it comes to buying games. And um, I got plenty of world editions in the mail by accident because of third party sellers, for example, on Amazon who like have a stock photo of the standard release, but then they send you something with a little world emblem. You're like, what is that? Oh. Uh, but if you look at the cart, they're exactly the same as um, our North American standard editions uh, for the 3DS specifically. Um, and so I guess after consulting forums and just testing them out myself in person, that, that kind of helped solidify kind of that information of what are these and why they're different and that sort of thing. Because mm -hmm. I know recently um, a friend of mine through Twitter, she messaged me about how I can go to sites like Play Asia where it's mm -hmm. a 
where the box itself is a Hong Kong version for for like say a Switch game or something. Because thankfully the Switch is region free. We don't have to worry about um, anything. Mm-hmm. We just have to make sure the game is in English. Mm-hmm. And it's because there's a certain game I've been wanting to get physically for the Switch for the longest time. River City Girls. Never been able to get an LRG. I have a bit of I have some problems with LRG to be perfectly honest. Yeah. But the fact that yeah, but the fact that I can get this game from Play Asia, I don't. I can get it super cheap and it will work on my switch, which is great. But one little collecting habit I have is I like to make sure all my games are somewhat uniform, if that makes sense. So when you were talking about the world editions for the 3DS, what are the major differences from a world edition 3DS case compared to a regular North American case? Sure. So I have an example here Mm -hmm. of bravely default and the biggest kind of, uh, thing that people look at is on the front cover, there's this little uh, green, blue, and gray circle. Um, mm-hmm. Usually it's on the lower right, but sometimes it's in other places just on the front there. And that mm-hmm. just indicates that um, this is the version that's being sold at uh, UAE, um, Malaysia, Singapore, and those regions. Um, oh. When it comes to the spine, there's no difference that I've noticed on any of the copies I've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, but then on the back, um, with all the little um, information, you could uh, doesn't follow the North American standard to see if your switch case is a first uh, print release or not. Um, using that kind of barcode number uh, that they've used both for their 3DS games and the Switch games, um, and there's also a little colored triangle. But other than that, that's the only kind of variation. Um, the exception to this, uh, when it comes to cover art, is I think for Ocarina Time they have the European cover for the world oh. edition instead of um, what we got here um, with the, the gold cover. Okay. So really, so really it's just like the one tiny it's cosmetic. Little, yeah. It's just one <laughs> little cosmetic, which thankfully it's good. Cause I bought a, um, also another Nintendo system that I know is region free is a game boy. Cause I went to England last summer and I was in a store and they had a copy of Mario superstar saga and Yoshi and Yoshi's Island or yeah. Yoshi's Island. And of course, all it says is the PAL regions. But so the only I haven't plugged them in yet, but I can only assume that if I were to plug in, since this is the PAL region and it goes mostly for England, parts of Europe, and Australia, I can only imagine they just spell color different. I think so. Honestly, a lot of the Game Boy games um, from Nintendo, if you buy them in Japan, you they have an English option. Oh. So if you play them in your English or in your uh, uh, your American, you know, Game Boy, they should mm-hmm. work in English. Um, it, it's just for select things like some Kirby games and like Dr. Mario, those kind of things. But um, yeah, they didn't, Nintendo didn't introduce, I think, region locking really uh, until I think after the Game Boy era. Um, the DS, uh, the original DS, most of those games are region free as well. And some of them also have English on the cart like Chrono Trigger does. Mm-hmm. So I actually recently bought a Japanese copy of that um to play since the one you know in the u.s is like over a hundred dollars now i can only assume it was a lot cheaper (laughs) it was much cheaper it was only like 20 something dollars 20 bucks exactly well okay it was like 23 um and then you have to there's you know import fees and things but i have it like in a a hall so it's not that bad i mean yeah it, I, way, I would say but... import fee i would say like to get shipped because you're, you're buying it from japan because yeah it has to cross the entire pacific ocean to get to yeah. us so i would yeah i would say and like that doesn't light, matter so it's not that super heavy so shipping fees yeah not that bad but, 
Especially if wow. you have other things in the package, it's worth it. My gosh, you got it for $20. I got mine for $75. <laughs> and it's... Well, yours is the standard North American, so you could resell it easily. Whereas if I were to try to resell mine, I have to explain, like it does have English on it. and People yeah. might be skeptical. <laughs> Although to be fair, because apparently my the version, because I got lucky on eBay. The only problems with my copy of Chrono Trigger is just the case is a little beat up. That's about it. Everything, yeah, everything on the inside looks great. Mm-hmm. It's pristine. And apparently I got one of the first runs of Chrono Trigger oh, because it got, I have the yep. poster. Yep, yep. And I got cool. stupid lucky on an eBay buy with that. So I'm like, oh, $75. I look it up on Price Trying. It's like, hold up. This game is actually worth how much? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, sometimes you can get really lucky with um, listings or sometimes auctions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You should so be diligent, going, though. <laughs> yeah, d- definitely. Like, there's one little trick about, especially for DS cards, because I would, because I mostly, nowadays, I mostly collect from a Game Boy, Game Boy Advance, and the DS and 3DS. Like I said, space. Space is a factor. I don't have a whole lot of room left. Um, and especially for the DS cards, I know that the best way to tell between a, a real and a fake one is if there's a little divot on the top of the game card. Mm-hmm. I mean, if it doesn't have this, if it's a smooth, if it's smooth, it's a repro, it's a fake, don't buy it. Yeah, it's really hard to tell online, though, with that. I've been, yeah, a little skeptical buying some DS listings recently. Yeah. Yeah, I am just like, once once my Chrono Trigger came in and I saw I had the divot, I breathed the biggest sigh of relief because like, did I just waste $75 on a fake Chrono Trigger? If I did, I'm going to be so, oh, thank God it's real. Yeah. That's the nice thing about 3DS. They haven't, you know made repos or uh, fakes for that system yet uh i've seen a few repos actually yeah. but they're, so the three- they're they're all pokemon they're games yes games but they package it like a oh you know what you you're right i have emulate a 3ds yet yeah you're right i have seen ds repros but i yeah. haven't seen 3ds repros i was i was mistaken my bad that's okay um so going back to the World Edition, what's the best website to buy games? Because you held up Bravely Default earlier. I can only imagine buying the World Edition of Bravely Default is 10 times cheaper than trying to find a North American version. Yeah, um, I think, well, in this case, I bought the standard edition on Amazon, third-party seller. And they sent me oh. this, <laughs> even yes. though the stock photo was North American. But it was still like MSRP at the time. So oh. I was a little salty, but that's what happens sometimes. Um, yeah. But I think a lot of people when they get one of these uh, world editions um, in the U S they don't want to keep them. So they often just sell them really cheaply on eBay just to get rid of them and try to, you know, collect the more desirable version. Which, which is, of course would probably be the standard, the standard North American. The other, I guess, caveat, do I have an example here? Um, Is uh, you could also get the Canadian version, which has the little FR on the cover. Um, usually mm-hmm. um, and so some people in the U.S. don't like getting those but if you're in Canada it's the regular release they would usually get since it includes French on the card along with English so oh. lots of different yeah. options and then you're holding up the select versions yeah so some people I've... don't like getting those but um, and on the spine they have like a little coin symbol uh, which <laughs> makes it a little a little bit different on the shelf um, if that's a concern oh. Oh yeah, it does. And actually, I don't think yeah. I ever noticed that. <laughs> to, be, to be perfectly honest, I never noticed because I just saw this at a at a retro game store. It was for twenty dollars, or it was for twenty. It was actually they were selling it for twenty five. I even had a five dollar coupon, so I essentially got twenty bucks as I would have gotten this new when this came out 
back when like say Target or Walmart was yeah. selling it on the regular. So for me, it was like twenty dollars for the Nintendo Select. Um, I don't care. <laughs> I'm yeah. yeah. That's actually I'm, been my philosophy right now when it comes to just trying to collect right now for the 3ds. Is I've been trying to get the things that don't have the World Editions or the Select versions because I feel like those will be more obtainable at lower prices after the eShop closure. Mm-hmm. So that was a point I think I tried to emphasize um, in my um, video on my channel. Yeah, because there are time because there are games, especially when I went to Portland. One of the games I was actually trying to hunt down was a Kirby game, uh, Kirby's Extra Epic Yarn. Mm-hmm. And I see a North, and I'm thinking it's like, oh, it's a Kirby game. It's probably super cheap. I could probably get it. And uh, I almost dropped my bag when I saw how because I saw one store or one booth that was selling the game. It was CIB. It was in the case, some like as in like a glass case. And I'm thinking, okay, there's Kirby. And then I see how much they're selling for. And I'm like, a hundred bucks? Yeah. That's what happens with a lot of the uh, the last releases on the 3DS. And I don't think that one actually saw a World Edition. So there's fewer of that actual game in circulation. Well, there so that's that, why yeah. the prices have really shot up, unfortunately. Da- I was just about to ask you, how much is the World Edition if you know? I, if I haven't you knew, seen but- one. If there's one in existence, I haven't seen them. It's like, yeah. dang it. Okay. Uh, well, at least we're getting Return to G- Dreamland Deluxe for the Switch. So that's yeah, yeah. that's the good news. And I don't uh, know if do you have a Wii U. I unfortunately do not. Okay. I don't either, but I do hear the Wii U version of that game's better. Oh, even better. Yeah. Uh, so you were also showing off some of your 3DS collections. Now, especially with the eShop closing up, I've been seeing some people online on Instagram where they would mod their 3DS systems to high heaven and they would pack a bunch of games. They would like essentially they would jailbreak it, put a bunch of emulation or just do the uh, hoist the colors, if you will, and put a whole bunch of stuff. Are you since a lot of 3DS games, especially nowadays, are are rising in price and some of them like Kirby's extra FBR and don't have world editions. Um what are your thoughts and feelings on people who take 3DS systems and emulate that since the system is now discontinued and technically Nintendo's not getting any profit from these games whatsoever? Uh, if you want to do that, I don't see an issue personally. Um, if there are games that I missed out on that I couldn't buy digitally because they actually delisted some games like their Project um, Cross Zone games, you can't buy that on the eShop anymore. So uh, you could track down a used copy for a high price or uh, emulate it are kind of your only two options now because uh, that's unlikely going to see some sort of you know a remake in the future given just how many ips are in that but um but yeah i think if people want to do that um i wouldn't really advertise it until the e-shop officially closes personally <laughs> um, but um yeah that's i think i don't know how well the uh jailbreaking or the custom homebrew kind of scene works on it because i haven't tried it myself Um, i'm probably going to test it out after the eShop closes Um, and i'm sure there'll like there's some dlc that you have to complete gains for or that have already been pulled off of the eShop that i wanted to like experience so the only way to do that is in the emulation scene nowadays Mm. um so so yeah Yeah. i'm a physical collector at heart though so that's why i've been really focusing on just beefing up my collection before the inevitable closure. Oh yeah, me too. Yeah, I am. T- I am team physical, hundred percent all the way. But also, there are times where, because thankfully, there is a way to still add funds to the to the 
um, to your 3DS or even your Wii U eShops, as long as you have them linked, as long as you have like your, because it's Nintendo ID on the 3DS and it's just your regular Nintendo account, as long as you have like those merged and linked, you can add funds to one and they'll automatically transfer to to this thing, which is good because it's dying in March. The end of March is when it's done and kaput. So, and any funds you don't use, you could transfer to your Switch account. Yeah, which is absolutely, which is perfect. Which is like, hallelujah for that. Because when they said, hey, we're not going to accept credit cards at this day and we're not going to accept um, eShop gift cards at this day, but then you have a whole extra year to add to still buy and download games. I'm sitting there going, what's the point? Just let me add debit and credit cards straight to my thing. I mean, granted, I went to had to jump. It's not a hard hoop to jump through, but still a hoop nonetheless. Yeah, it's kind of odd how they did that, I guess, trickle down system of removing options um, for buying games. Um, I don't know how expensive it was to maintain those servers or the those functionalities. So that's probably why they did it. Or just to kind of ease us away and as a warning, like you should buy these games now. Because mm-hmm. so, A little bit of fear tactic. Yeah, probably. But especially with with um with games like uh like Epic Yarn that we talked about, Fire Emblem is probably going up there in price event is gonna go up there in price eventually. Well the a- Fates one already is if you have a special edition. That one's bonkers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when you were talking about the Fates edition, I didn't even know the Fates the Fates special edition existed. And then I found out about it, and then I'm like, oh, you know, what? I'm just gonna just go check that out. Nope. Mm-mm. Yeah, yeah, I definitely need to get the DLC because I have Conquest. I bought the DLC for Birthright, so essentially I have Conquest and Birthright, but I don't have Revelations, so I'm definitely good. That one ties it. everything together, so I feel like it's yeah. an essential DLC. So it's unfortunate that a lot of people will be locked out of that, mm-hmm. and and after unless, next month, but yeah, unless you could get that specialty card, but I'm not paying that much money for. A special I don't think it's worth it. Um, at that point, I would just say emulate <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you can't um, buy it. Before the eShop closes. So before the eShop closes, closes, what do you have um, some games that you know you want to get before the shop closes? And that you're totally fine with having digitally. The cart is just way too expensive because that's how myself and I can only assume a bunch of other um, gamers feel. Like, once again, going back to Kirby, the physical cart is over $100. I want the physical cart. I really do. But No. I can get on the eShop. It's stupid cheap. It's like $20, less than $20 on the eShop. I'll just grab that before it closes. Um, so what games would you say buy on the eShop now? Because once this thing's done, the the physical carts are going to go even higher in price. Sure. Um, so for my collection, I actually am pretty content with what I have physically. I just bought my last really expensive game, which was over $100. And I'm a little ashamed to have bought it the price I did. <laughs> what was it? <laughs> um, it was the last Professor Layton in the Azrin Legacy game. Oh, I had nice. to buy it right after the Nintendo Direct. I was like, oh gosh. And like <laughs> the price was like it went it shot up like $50 more than it already was. So <laughs> I paid a stupid amount of money for it. But wow. I I really just wanted to have my complete collection of the Layton games. And I don't really know whether or not um we might talk about this later, what games are going to see Switch remasters or beyond. Mm-hmm. So that was a little bit up in the air. And there's something about the 3DS functionality that I think it's going to be hard to remaster for certain games. And I think the Layton series with all their puzzles, um, they do use the lower touchscreen. So it's going to be hard to, I think, translate later on. But um, (laughs) in terms of what uh, digital games I do recommend instead of maybe going the physical route and being dumb like me, (laughs) 
Um, you, I, um, I wouldn't say you're dumb. You are a collector at heart. You, as long the way I see it, Emily, as long as you do what you're getting yourself into, it's like you know yeah. what? I'm okay with this. I may not like it, but I accept it, and I want yeah, it. I th- as long as it's not an impulse buy, I think that's yeah. you could totally, I think, plan on it. Um, for that, I, I did. I threw a bunch of like Amazon gift cards that I was racking up on it. So it, it did help. Oh, there you go. So that was nice. But yeah, anyway, uh, definitely, as I mentioned, the two Professor Layton games, if you like puzzle games and you're excited for the new one that was just announced, I would definitely recommend getting those. Um, and uh, the Professor Layton versus Phoenix Bright collab game. I don't really see that getting a remaster because it's really hard, I think, for collaborative uh, games to see a second life later on because of just how many you know things they have uh, the different uh i guess branches have to you know talk and all, all that yeah the, the rights the the, all web the copyrights and yeah. restrictions and all that yeah, yeah. that's one of the it's reasons why I th- that's one of the, like logical like going going on a quick little side tangent that's one of the reasons why i thought sora was never going to be in kingdom um in smash bros as much as pun Kinda and wholeheartedly intended double pun there. My heart wanted Sora in Smash Bros, but my brain was saying not gonna happen. I mean, even though he's technically a Square-owned character, there's a lot of Disney elements surrounding him. His Keyblade has a Mickey Mouse head. Disney's probably not gonna play ball, but they play ball. I think they really worked hard to get him on, so yeah. I think that was all it needed. But yeah, um, yeah. but outside of. Uh, those games I just mentioned, a lot of the Atlas titles, I, if you're a JRPG fan, definitely get those. Like the Shibigami Tensei games. Um, definitely, I like. there's rumors that Atlas might uh, remake them and put them on the Switch later, but I think that's hard to know. Um, and like with the Etrian Odyssey games that uh, just announced the remaster, they're remastering the DS versions, not the 3DS versions for one and two. So you're going to be missing out on the untold story modes. Mm. So it's something to keep in mind. Um, so they might lose some functionality when you have that. Um, Radiant Historia is one of my favorite games on the 3DS. And it'd be nice if that was ported later on. But if it's not, I think definitely secure that on the eShop um, if you can. Uh, but yeah, what else? Uh, I guess maybe Kid Icarus Uprising. When it comes to the Nintendo IPs, um, even the World Edition for that is pretty pricey. Oh wow! How much is yeah. it going for? How much is World Edition for that? I've been seeing people ask a hundred dollars for that. With oh my the god, box hundred stand. Oh yeah. Uh, so I, who knows what will happen after the eShop closure? Um, mm. Yeah, I'm trying to think what else. I have some games here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you did mention Entry and Odyssey, and I w- did want to talk to you about that because. <laughs> Um, right after I saw your video and how you're talking about, cause I'd never even heard of the etching and Odyssey games. I want to say until I saw your video and the fact that you, that game sounds like it was made for the 3d for the DS and the 3ds, because yeah. you know, you make your map as you explore the dungeon. And that's one of the things is like, huh, that's actually kind of neat. You actually get to uh, make your map and see, go this way, go that way. And when they were remaking it for the, for the Nintendo switch, part of me is like, that's cool. But also, I'm a little, shall we? I'm a little. I, I want to say cautiously optimistic because 
this isn't the first time Nintendo has brought um, DS games over to the Switch. Um, the old, the first example I could, and only example I could think of is the Mega Man ZX games that were DS that were DS games, but mostly the bomb screen wasn't necessarily used. It was used as a map. The action was on the top screen. The bomb screen was the map, and they're able to like, oh, we'll just have like essentially make the bomb screen a mini map, or you can change it however you like. Um, what? Um, while it's great that these games are getting remastered and or at least put up on the Switch for modern audiences, what sort of problems do you think that will arise because you don't necessarily have like a touch screen to play with or to help draw the map out? Yeah, I think we've seen this already with um, The World Ends With You. So that mm-hmm. saw a Switch remaster from the original DS version. And the DS version was so innovative at the time with um, how they use the stylus on the lower touch screen. And it's really hard to translate that into the Switch controls. And a lot of people didn't really enjoy that game because of how difficult it was. And it just wasn't the same. So I I feel like when, for Veteran Odyssey games in particular, um, losing that drawing the map uh, with a stylus, um, it might kind of make it less fun. Uh, there are a lot of other first-person dungeon crawler games that are really popular on the Switch, um, like the... Uh, the Mary Skelter games from Idea Factory got ported over to the Switch that a lot of people enjoy. Um, the new one from NIS America, um, the, the Labyrinth games. Um, what's it called? The Labyrinth of the Galleria, I think is the new one. And um, Labyrinth of Refrain that was released a few years ago. Those are pretty popular. And uh, they don't really have the map making mechanics that Veteran Odyssey games had, though. So. I'm just kind of afraid it's going to turn a little bit more into like a generic franchise that mm-hmm. you just see in a lot of other uh, first-person dungeon crawlers um, when you take out that functionality. I mean, thankfully, the the Switch itself does have a, is a touchscreen, mm-hmm. so it is. But we don't have a stylus. It's I think it'd be kind of weird to yeah. draw that, and it's you know pushed on the corner what they were showing in the direct. So I just don't know how well that's going to translate. It could work. Yeah, um, it could. Maybe if they were able to like have like maybe not a split screen, but at least a way where it's, toggle, it's kind of maybe? yeah toggle it so you can like have it push a button, and then you can draw your map and still have a smaller screen to look of where you're, what direction you're going. Because mm-hmm. one of the games I was super excited to get for my Switch was Super Mario Maker Two, mm-hmm. and I was. I have yet to make a single level in Mario Maker because I missed once again. I never owned a Wii U. I missed out on the Wii U, and I think Mario Maker on the Wii U is absolutely perfect, especially with the gamepad because it comes with a stylus. And it's so. And looking at people or watching videos of people make levels with the stylus, just like going boom, 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 like making it super quick. It's like wow, that's great. Whereas I'm over here because I like to play my Switch docked. I'm like missing buttons i'm putting things where they're not supposed to go in the tutorial and i'm just going ugh, and i just go back to just playing other hard levels that people have been making yeah i could see i haven't played the mario maker um, games yet but i could see how that could be a barrier um just the entry of making your own levels and just how inefficient it is to use you know the controls versus the stylus in that regard yeah, I think that maybe because who who developed Etrian Odyssey was it Sega or was it Atlas? Atlas, Atlas. Oh, Atlas is owned by Sega, but yeah. So but now they're owned by Sega, but before it was. Yeah. I think the pre-merger. Oh, yeah. But I mean, one way to probably get people to buy is like, hey, so by the way, the Switch has a touchscreen. 
if you buy the physical copy, here's a stylus for you to help make those maps. Yeah, I've seen some stylus used for like some like drawing games. I don't know how well they work, but I, I don't know if you've seen some of those kind of like third party things. I've always been curious about them. I feel like they don't work that well, but I think it'd be cool if they brought back a stylus. Yeah, I would definitely, I would definitely say a stylus would, it would help, especially when you have something like, um, I would definitely think Mario Maker deserved, or Mario Maker 2 deserved a stylus. Um, because just making a level with my controller, it just doesn't feel right because I'm like constantly going, like clicking buttons, going, instead of just like, say I have a pen, you're going boom, 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 like drag you, drag you, make you. That's like, it's so nice and simple to quote Kingdom Hearts, it's so simple and clean. Whereas with the controller, it's a very you know clunky. Uh, so there are other um, systems that, from your videos that I want to talk about, but you also mentioned that you um, you have a video that I haven't watched yet. I will get to it, but it's your all time through favorite 3DS games. Like if you're collecting for the 3DS, these games are like must owns for any collector, for anyone who enjoys the system. Um, so what are your, some of your, like your top, say five, your top five 3DS games of all, of them all. Sure. Uh, so my number one is A Link Between Worlds. Mine too. Uh, that goes without saying, like even just minus all the kind of uh, nostalgic I have and the meaning behind it um, for me, it's just a cool game where you have Link, you know, go into the walls and um, it was a different way to, I think, have that top-down Zelda experience. Um, that was really pretty cool. Um, Radiant Historia is my next one. I think it's one of the best GRPGs on the 3DS system. It's just how they tackle time travel and rewriting history I thought was brilliant. Um, and I really liked, this was actually originally a DS game, but I felt like the uh, 3DS just had so many great quality of life improvements and voice acting. And they also added a third kind of story path. Uh, that was fun to see. Um, you can definitely buy this. At, like this is one of the more pricey Atlas games right now, but um, it's definitely still on the eShop and you can technically still buy the original DS game fairly cheaply too. Uh, oh. Most of the experiences are is kind of the same, but the 3DS version is definitely an upgrade. Yeah, I, I've heard a lot of things or a lot of times when it when the game comes out on the DS and it gets ported to the 3DS, mm -hmm. you know, it's like the definitive edition has more it has like a little bit more story or it has more content that's like, yeah, let's just toss it on there. Yeah, there's that. And um, in some ways, like my, another favorite game is um, Double Survivor Overclocked. So this is the strategy RPG in the Shimigami Tensei universe. Um, and this was also originally a DS game, but it was super hard on the DS. And so there are a lot of quality of life improvements to make it more approachable for all players to enjoy. Um, and uh, besides these, I also really love the Fire Emblem series. Um, so <laughs> I'm, I'm a very big Fire Emblem um, fan. And actually, Awakening was my introductory into the Mine strategy too. RPG. Yeah, seriously. It, it was my introductory to the Fire Emblem games okay. because I really wanted the Game Boy game when it first came out. Never, never got it. I, was I never knew I mean, of it when I was a, a kid. So... <laughs> I there was a I didn't show know about a lot of games. Did you watch G four back in the day? Like I did. way back in the day? I I did, except it was mostly when they were covering like PS two and Wii stuff. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, there was a show on G four that I that my brother and I loved called X Play, and I would definitely say that show influenced a lot of our gaming purchases when we were younger. My brother and I too, actually. Um, I definitely bought Psychonauts because of them. 
Oh, I wanted to get Fire Emblem because the biggest thing they said in that when during their review of Fire Emblem was because I was playing Final Fantasy Tactics. I love Final Fantasy Tactics Advance. It was my first Final Fantasy Tactics game. I played that thing to death. I absolutely adore it. And then what? But in Final Fantasy Tactics, you're there's only <clears throat> excuse me, there's only one area of the game or a few certain areas of the game where if your characters get to zero HP, they die, like they're gone. But it's only certain areas. Whereas in Fire the for the GBA Fire Emblem, their whole thing is like, yeah, this game is hard, but it's really cool because if your characters die, they die. They're gone <laughs> for the rest of the game. And I'm just like, that's so cool. When I first heard that concept, I was like, no. <laughs> I don't want my favorite characters to die. I, but you know, yeah, eventually I did move on to classic mode, but Awakening I started with casual, which oh, was really, I, I think, a great implementation. Uh, Emily, era. I have to apologize if it seems like I'm trying to flex. I'm honest to God not, but when I finally got my hands on Awakening, I just jumped headfirst to the deep end of the ah. classic mode. I'm like, <laughs> I just like, Leroy, like, let's just do this. And uh, I will say, you know, the, the very final bat, there was a lot of times where I had characters I need to level up and mm-hmm. I would constantly restart battles because they would die because some enemy got a crit or I forgot about these enemies and they just came would come out of the bushes. And I'm like, oh, no. But I married, you know, that I forgot her name. You know, that one, the one she is an older lady, the one with the glasses and she's a, a mage. She oh. has like the classic witch hat. I'm, I'm forgetting she, her name, too. But yes. Yeah. But you know who I'm talking about, right? Mm hmm. So I married her with the swordsman that that like super stoic and or that super stirred like swordsman guy mm-hmm. whose name I, I'm, I, forgetting. I'm forgetting all the names now. <laughs> yeah, but I married them. I freaking love them together, and they became like the best power couple on my on my in my army. And on the very last quest, the husband dies, oh. and then he dies right in front of his wife. And then for the next three straight turns, enemies were going after her. You know what she does? Crits all of them. <laughs> I'm just sitting there going, the power of love, man. Oh, that's great. <laughs> but yeah, Awakening was definitely my introduction to Fire Emblem. I also agree. Fire Emblem Awakening is a must-have for the 3DS. It's. I also would say it's a good... Since we missed out on the, the original one, I mean, thankfully we're going to be able to... to have access to the original one thanks to the um the intent the gba nso mm-hmm. stuff hallelujah because that game is we all know is expensive i'm not bitter <laughs> um but yeah i, I would hi- i would highly agree the, old, the a lot of the games that you mentioned though i'm very not i'm not familiar with especially that uh that one rpg what was the name of it again right in historia yeah that one that one's cool Definitely check that one out. Um, I, I would say when it comes to Fire Emblem on 3DS, my favorite is actually Echoes. I oh. just really liked the story, how it was more story focused. And it was cool kind of having two different armies to navigate and go back and forth between. And I just really liked the buildup of that game. Um, I, some of the marriage Echo. stuff was kind of weird on Awakening. But uh, like we kind of just went with it and the children. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I love that. I love those bits. It, it's like, it was oh. fun. Yeah, yeah, I I loved the marriage stuff. I love doing the exercise stuff because to me that was like cool. More level up, more uh, more battles to level up my characters. Mm-hmm. But also, it's like whose parent? Like you can obviously tell, like 
who's whose kid, you know? Yeah, yeah. With the hair color changes. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. Um I yeah, I've actually played Awakening a couple of times and I think my other playthroughs, I, I looked up like guides to like how to like max everyone out and the best marriage, you know, <laughs> configurations. It, it was <laughs> kind of fun to go through for uh, a second time. Yeah. I need to well, I don't need to, but I would like to replay Awakening. But also I need to get back into Echoes. Echoes I was enjoying, but unfortunately I reached this one spot in Echoes and I just completely stopped. Yeah, so Echoes is definitely something I need to get back in. I want to get back into Three Houses. I have it. I beat. I did one playthrough of Three Houses on Classic Mode and with um, I did the Blue Lions run. Now I'm doing my Golden Deer run on casual mode. And of course, everyone's super OP. I'm just going through and wrecking fools. But at the same time, it's like, do I really want to play another 50, 60 some odd hours of this game? Yeah, I haven't done all the routes either or the DLC. (laughs) I did do the DLC. I I got kind of burned out after my first route. I was like, okay, I did this. I'll save the others for later. (laughs) What route did you do if you don't mind my asking? I did Golden Deer first. Ah, sweet. Yeah. Yeah, I I, love Claude. Yeah, Claude. (laughs) Uh, Dimitri, oh, actually, you don't, can't see, but uh, Dudu is my boy. Oh. Yeah, hold up. Let me see if you can. See. There he is, Dudu. Okay. <laughs> there we. Nice. The same with the camera. Sometimes it's so weird, but yeah. Um, I actually met the voice actor at the only convention I went to in uh, 2020. Oh. It was Anime Impulse at Pomona, California. Got to meet him, and then a few months later, everything canceled. Everything got canceled. So. Um, you also have a few videos on the PlayStation Vita. Um, and you also, you were talking about how you bought an imported PlayStation Vita. Um, what are some of the, what are like, I would say, or I would ask, what are some of the pros and cons of buying video game systems internationally? So I think specifically when buying from Japan, they take really good care of their systems. So, um, unlike here in the U S you see all the like scratches and um, usually the really pristine uh, systems are really expensive. So I found just importing, especially PS Vita, and I've also imported a DS and PSP from Japan, and you could get it for a fraction of the cost and really great condition. They also have some cool color variants that are fun too. Um, when it comes to the PS Vita, I feel like that's the easiest one to import because you could just change the language options really easily. The only, I guess, difference that you'll notice is the command button. Like instead of circle it's x or something it's like reverse mm-hmm. for north mm-hmm. american systems but you get used to it yeah um because i do because i think when like if i remember correctly when playstation first came out um the circle button is supposed to be like the yes command whereas the mm-hmm. x button's like no get back that's why yep. a and b on a, a nintendo controller a is on the side and b is on the bottom mm-hmm. but for some reason us americans we like no hit x yep, instead yep. <laughs> yeah that's it's kind of weird how they reversed that for us <laughs> Yeah, because I also have a I, I have a PS Vita. I have an OLED model as well, and uh, I will admit I got that sucker modded because um, PlayStation Vita games. Because I I had, funny enough, I've had I had two PlayStation Vita models, one from my brother and one from my best friend, a slim and a regular OLED. And I thought about going to buy physical games for it because I, at first, modding kind of frightened me because I'm not very. Um, I'm not very, I just like putting in a thing, pushing a button and boom, the game starts up. Whereas like, oh, you have to make sure you have, especially with modding, you have to make sure the system is set to these settings. You have to make sure it runs properly. Sometimes they don't. Um, 
So with the PS Vita, I was definitely a little scared, but then I just decided to go ahead and buy it because looking at these PS Vita prices today are just like run for the hills. I think there a lot of them are way more expensive than even 3DS games are. Uh, it depends what games. Um, the JRPGs that are niche, like very niche JRPGs are very expensive and the limited run releases are very expensive. But um, I feel like most of the first party games are fairly reasonable. You can get around 40 used, like, it's a, of course used. It's hard to find brand new Vita games in the West right now. Um, and then I, I like collecting visual novels and the Vita is my preferred system for visual novels. So most of those you can find fairly reasonably. There's just a few outliers, like the one from Limited Run. It's like over a hundred. <laughs> when is stuff from Limited Run not over a hundred dollars? <laughs> I guess when it's a bad game and no one wants it. <laughs> there are plenty of those. <laughs> Yeah, there, there definitely are. Although I did get, I finally caved when I was at Portland because Limited Run, they had a booth at Portland Retro Gaming Expo. They had River City Girls for the PS5. And at that point, I just said, F it. I just oh. bought it. You didn't wait for the one and two pack from Japan? No, I was, I was, I was impatient. <laughs> you want, you could always sell that and then get the double pack on the Switch or something. I, I think could. they have it for the PS4 too. I could, but also at the same, I, because I did really want this game for the Switch. A lot of time, it's weird. A lot of game when games come out like River City Girls or even um, Turtles um, Shredder's Revenge, mm-hmm. part of me feels like this game is just. I feel like it was made for the Switch. That eight bit art style, the brawl, the side scrolling brawlers. I feel that it was made for those systems, but then I ended up getting on the PS5 because they're either cheaper or they had the physical copy that I wanted. Such in the case of River City Girls and even um, Ninja Turtles, I bought Ninja Turtles because all my friends wanted it for the PS5. And we're also going to be streaming it soon on the main base Marikade channel. So I'm like, okay, I'll just get it. I mean, still, it's amazing Is that one game. still restricted to the console type is who you could do online with? I don't think so. I, I thought not... it was that game, at least around launch, that was the case. Maybe yeah, not. Maybe. I don't know if I it's cross... Watch. I don't know if it's cross-play, but it might be cross-generation. Hmm. I mean, I'm not because I do know that um, there is no, there's technically no like true PS5 version for Shredder's Revenge. Mm-hmm. It's technically just made for the PS4, and since the PS5 is backwards compatible, as long as you have the PS4 version downloaded, you could play with other people who have it on the PS4 or even the PS5. Okay. Yeah, at least that's my that's my guess because when i bought the game it just said ps4 there was no true ps5 version of it and really mm-hmm. there doesn't need to be because it's 16-bit art style anyway for sure yeah uh but yeah going back to limited run you also had a video about uh variants and uh reprintings that um really piqued my interest because i also collect or i used to collect comic books then in the world of comic books and and that area there's a bunch there's like there's like varying covers for so many different issues like do you have anniversaries you have all these um special events there's all these different variant covers connecting covers and i never knew video games had the same thing until uh most until about say a year year and a half ago when i went when i was just scrolling through twitter and someone said hey best buy has the um the limited run uh, variant covers of Shantae of the first game and Risky's Revenge. Go get them now. Mm-hmm. And I got very lucky. So, so how did you find out about video game variant covers? Uh, 
I do like to scroll a lot on like Twitter and all the different websites. I think PlayAsia is a great resource to seeing what regional differences there are. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you can see that. Uh, yeah, I would say mostly Twitter is my news source when it comes to variants and people tweeting about or different companies tweeting about different variant covers or if this just came to retail or you can buy uh, fund the Kickstarter to get this variant cover, that kind of thing. All right, and in that also in that same video, you taught you showed people um, you taught people about how to find out if your game is a first print or a second print or whatever. Which mm-hmm. which now I kind of want to check to see what kind of prints I have. To be perfectly <laughs> honest, um, but how can someone find out if like obviously with um, the 3ds, there's the Nintendo Select that's definitely a, a massive reprint. But how can you find out if a game is a first or second print on a 3ds game? So. Um... When it comes to cart revisions, I don't think there's been any evidence that uh, the, the carts themselves have been revised like we see on the Switch. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it comes to the cover revisions, um, usually sometimes like in California, they had to add stuff about like Prop uh, 65, uh, the, the cancer thing. Oh. Um, like to warn people like oh this might have a 0.0001 percent of causing cancer hmm. <laughs> that's what our lovely state does yeah <laughs> but um <laughs> I, I can't tell you how many times i go i go to disneyland and i see mm-hmm. that that prop thing at the when mm-hmm. i'm trying to park my car and i'm just like it's unnecessary okay. <laughs> and there's I'm so many lawsuits like, around it when people don't feel to do it, it it's it's such a waste of time (laughs) california i love you but time there are times i just looking and go really Mm -hmm. especially when i'm paying for gas but that's neither that's neither here or there let's not go down (laughs) that let's not go down that depressing rabbit hole shall we no 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 um but yeah uh, i mentioned in the videos when it comes to the cover cases you could tell right away if something is a a first uh, print or a second print and beyond. Uh, we see this a lot, both with the 3DS and the uh, Switch. Uh, but again, yeah, the carts, you can only really, I think, identify this on a Switch game cart, not on a 3DS if there's been changes. The Nintendo Select versions um, are revised, so they should have the DLC. Like I know for Animal Crossing, if you compare the two carts um, from the original release and the one with the Welcome Amiibo, um, the Welcome Amiibo one has more updates on the physical cart, which is nice. Uh, so as a collector, um, that's usually what I try to strive for. And I've been trying to be more diligent doing that with my uh, uh, Switch collection. Like for example, um, the upcoming Celeste retail release, I have a feeling that's gonna be a revised cart from Fangamer um, compared to what um, Little Little Run had offered both with their numbered release um, on their website and the Best Buy variant. I actually didn't know Celeste was getting a retail release. And now I'm like, give me. Yeah, yeah. I, I've, you I've get a me. limited edition on Fangamer right now. Or um, I think a lot of other retailers are stocking it. So like if you go to Best Buy website and just pre-order it with free shipping. I might just do I might just do that. I mean, when I do eventually have some extra money for, for games, because uh, the backlog be real. Yeah, um, yeah. Target just did a buy one, get one half off or something and i was tempted to put they had celeste as an option i was tempted to group that and um, coffee talk is also getting a re-release a retail release uh mm. you're familiar with that one that one had a strictly limited uh special edition that was really expensive for a while and now it's on retail mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah 
I'm not familiar with that, but it's like, um, have you heard of Valhalla or the, the, uh, the bartending game? It's so the coffee talk is just a visual novel with where you make people coffee and lattes and stuff. Oh, okay. Now, I mean, I technically signed up with LRG, so I get almost every Thursday and Friday, I get emails like, this is what's coming up today. And nine times out of 10, I'm looking at this and I go, I don't care. I'm like, I, this game. I mean, really, yeah. the only game that I really wanted from, well, there are three games I really wanted from LRG when they first came out. Um, the Doom Collection, which I did get, and I was actually very upset that it took so damn long for me to get it. Um, River City Girls, which I got, thankfully, at their booth. And also Panzer Paladin, because they did an LRG release of the physical game, even though I already had the game digitally, because I thought it was just so cool. I definitely double dipped and i eventually did get a physical copy of panzer paladin but the same but then looking at all the different shantae games it feels like limited run has like a monopoly on um on way for all a bunch of way four games such mostly the shantae series i think they have some special contract with them for sure and yeah. a few other publishers like they just got um, nine in the woods which um they're also the same publisher that um works with a tunic so I'm worried they're going to also release a tunic physical over there, um, the the Fox Zelda game. Mm. Um, I heard good things yeah. about tunic. I played a little bit of it. And it's really good. I'm I'm waiting for a physical release though <laughs> to finally don't, commit. Yeah, don't you just hate when it's like, man, I really want to get this game. Where's the physical release? No physical release. Damn it. Yeah, and it's really popular, so it's going to get something eventually. Most yeah. of them do. Mm-hmm. Um, so you also. I mean, we we were talking about earlier, like with the world editions, buying games, buying games internationally, and buying other things internationally. What are some of your like absolute favorite websites and places to go to to buy games internationally? Uh, so the easiest one that most people I think are aware of is Play Asia. So they mm-hmm. do um, they cover most of uh, Asia. So there are regular like Asian releases, Hong Kong releases, Japanese releases. They may or may not have English on them, so but their listing is very detailed, and they'll tell you if there's English or not on those. Um, Amazon Japan is also one that you could directly buy from, and you don't have to go through a proxy service uh, to have it shipped to your country, which is nice. Um, for most of the listings, some of the third parties, they don't. But, um, I'm usually pretty pleased with them, and they have pretty cheap like DHL shipping rates. Um, and I guess outside of those two, um, I really like... Canadian websites, if you consider that international. So Video Games Plus and PAP Games, I've been uh, buying quite a lot there. And it's really easy here in the U.S. because they just drive up to the border and then ship it through USPS. So it's, it's, you get them pretty quickly, which is nice. And do those Canadian websites, do they also have like the world editions of certain games? Because I'll definitely gotta start looking into the world editions of certain <laughs> 3DS titles because I really want those right now. Yeah, um, I think... Actually, they also have just standard editions too at good prices. They have um, they list it in um, Canadian dollars, and so you go through, um, on PayPal or pay with the credit card uh, to uh, buy it in USD. And they have a lot of good titles that saw re-releases um, that you don't really see here in the US. Um, it's usually really marked up on eBay. So definitely, mm-hmm. I think a good um, place to look. Um, and for new games, they do clearly mark if it's a world edition or not. Um, the used games on PMP. Uh, games is mixed so just like a lot of other like mom and pop shops here uh i think uh i don't know if you're familiar with double jump games 
um, they have a YouTube channel and they also have um, a, a store out in um, uh, Washington. I, wait, I did buy, yeah, I bought some games from Double Jump. I did. Um, They're at P- a PRG, I think that's, yeah, I, I, went, right? I, they had a huge yeah. booth. <laughs> oh, yeah, I was at that booth. I uh, <laughs> was talking to someone to get information for an article I'm working on. And also, I wanted to say I tried to get, actually, that's where I bought, um, uh, but, 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 what should we call it? Advance Wars. I got okay. Advance Wars Dual Strike, but I was supposed to buy uh, Luigi's Mansion for the D- for the 3DS, but they screwed up. Oh. What they did was the who because they had the they had the game cases up in front, and the games themselves were in the back, which it's like okay, smart. So that way people can't go ahead and steal the games. <laughs> um, what happened was is that someone bought Dark Moon, but when the person put the game inside Dark Moon, they accidentally put Luigi's Mansion. Ah, and that's, that's, yeah. so essentially they mixed it up so when i went to go buy uh the original luigi's mansion for i think they were selling it for 50 bucks um i go to pay i go to pay for it they can't find it and they're like mm-hmm. uh and i already like you know gave them my money so they're just sitting there like uh i'm and they're like what can we do to make this right and i'm like can i just pick another game at the same price and they're like yeah go for it advance wars that's good I'm sure the refund situation is a mess. <laughs> I can Adam. only I can only assume it is. And also, I just really hope that the person who went who goes home and opens up the Dark Moon and finds the original Luigi's Mansion, they go, "Hey, wait a minute!" <laughs> they can they can at least call up and be like, "Yo, you messed up." It's like, "Yeah, we know. We're sorry. Here's the game. Here's the original." Well, hopefully, they're also looking for that game, but they bought the cheaper game because <laughs> yeah. I imagine Dark Moon is much cheaper than the. Remaster. At least that's what I've been seeing online. Yeah, I want to say maybe because I, because after the original Luigi's Mansion came out, excuse me, when it was on the 3D, when it was on the 3DS, I want to say I've seen it other places for about maybe twenty five or like thirty five dollars. So I mean, there's a um, where I live. There's a kind of like a nerd swap meet very close to me called Frankenstein Collectible Show. Um. It essentially has it's just like this giant nerd swap me they have a bunch of people selling um video games as well and some sometimes you can, i've gotten some pretty decent deals out of there so nice definitely have to go back and check us but once again backlog be real and also bank account be hurting yep yep i feel you there especially when you collect for so many different systems and you have some companies like limited run who make you have like fomo and having to buy something right away even though won't be playing it anytime soon. It's challenging to balance. I was this close to buying the physical version of Shredder's Revenge, but because it was limited run, because I knew how long they were going to take to get that to me, I did not pull the trigger. I wanted to play the game now or sooner rather than later, which I did. Had an amazing time. My girlfriend loved playing it. Can't wait to play with my friends online. And then... Six months later, people are like, here's my limited run version of T of Shredder's Revenge. I'm like, cool. I beat that game three times already. Yep, yep. So yeah, I have like I understand the model. It's better than the um, limiting things like some other 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 companies do, where we only have five thousand five thousand copies first first come, first serve. Uh, That's always that, disappointing. Especially yeah. when someone really wants a physical copy of River City Girls, because one time they're yeah. like, hey, River City Girls, I missed out on it. Darn it. Then they're like, hey, we have some convention exclusives, like, you know, the variants. 
And I'm like, hopefully they have a lot. I was up at 7 a.m. I went to the website. I tried to get it. And it kept saying, you have three games in your car. I'm like, I don't want three. I want one. Ten minutes later, I finally get it down to one. Sold out. It's always disappointing. Yeah. I participated in the uh, most recent blowout sales, trying to get the Jack and Daxter PS4 collector's edition. Oh, I but that sold out like instantly. <laughs> that was sad. Damn it, I should have gotten the chip. Actually, no, I could play, thankfully, because on my PS5, I'm also shilling money out for the PlayStation Plus Premium. So those games I can play thanks to that. So, okay. Mm-hmm. It's one Hold of my on. favorites. I just wanted the, the, the big box. I'm hoping that they'll make a PS5 version, but who knows? <laughs> True. But there is a chance. There yes. is a very slim chance. Now, before we get out of here today, Emily, I really want to talk to you about the Nintendo Direct. Mm-hmm. Especially because we mentioned earlier about the Etrian in Odyssey, about the Etrian Odyssey games, how they are getting a Switch a port to the Switch, and of course we have the news of the Game Boy, the Game Boy Advance. I did. I watched your video. I know you weren't like like, oh hey, that's cool. Whereas when I saw it, I was like, yeah, <laughs> that was that has been on my Christmas wish list for a very long time. Uh, so, but off, I know we were talking earlier about you don't really know what games um, can be ported to the Switch, but um out of curiosity if there is any game that you think could be ported from the 3ds to the switch just like it should be an easy transition what would some of the best games possibly would be to be ported from that from the 3ds to the switch um i think there are a lot like i feel like when it comes to 3ds versus the original ds there's not a lot of games that really utilize that bottom screen so I think a lot of those games could definitely be ported. I think the popular games like Fire Emblem Awakening, um, Shemek Online Tensei 4, those might eventually get maybe Switch or whatever the next Switch will be, remasters or ports. Um, and uh, with Level 5's return, we might see a lot of HD remasters of like the Professor Lane games, um, the first Fantasy Life, if, uh, if that sequel gets um, sells as well as I think it might be, or it might, it might well. Um, and let's see. Outside of that, those would be good. Links like, there's uh, a lot of things world. that I think are rumored. <laughs> like, I know there's been a lot of rumors for the Bravely Default and um, Second Layer to get Switch remasters. So we could see that. Um, the One of the last uh, new Nintendo IPs that didn't get a lot of traction because it was at the end of the 3DS life cycle is Ever Oasis. So I could see them trying with that again. But yeah, it'll be interesting to kind of see where Nintendo moves forward with the 3DS and um, ports or remasters. And uh, I guess if they want to, I guess, take from that catalog or something further back going forward. Yeah, I... Every time a game gets remastered or a, a game from a system like the 3DS or even the DS gets remastered or bundled in a collection to be put on modern consoles, that just gives me hope because there mm-hmm. that means there's a chance. There's a chance that other games that we've that we've loved back when we were kids that have gotten absolutely no love whatsoever. In my case, Mega Man Legends, I will die on the hill that Mega Man Legends is amazing. And I am still salty at Capcom for not giving us Mega Man Legends 3. Damn you all. Sorry, still really mad about that. Um, but now that we're getting, but we, we got the Z, the Z, Mega Man Zero and the ZX games fully completed for modern consoles. We're getting the Battle, Battle Network, Network game. Yeah. We're getting Battle Network. We're getting we have X and the original games 
all ready to go. We're just missing legends. Hurry up, Capcom. I'm patient. I'm very patient, but you're you're stretching it. But stuff like the Edgerton Odyssey games, I definitely feel that there might be chances for other um, series. I feel like the Shin Megami Tensei games or even the other Atlas games, since they didn't necessarily utilize the bottom screen all that much, could be perfect candidates because I never really got into the Shin Megami Tensei games or a bunch of other Atlas titles. And now that Atlas has this huge resurgence, or I wouldn't even say resurgence, but it's now in the limelight with games like Persona, with games, and of course, Shin Megami Tensei Five was a Switch exclusive. It was a Switch exclusive, correct? Um, initially, yes. I think it still is. I, I want to say it is, but at, I, well, I mean, it it's, but it, yeah, it's it, possible it might go to PC or something later. Yeah, yeah but but still, Shin Megami Tensei Five, <laughs> huge news. A lot of people were so excited. Uh, the re- the re-release of Nocturne, Shin Megami Tensei Three for the Switch. I definitely feel that a lot of those old th- old 3D games have a chance. I mean, I say they have better chances than none. I do agree. Uh, Awakening could also see a, a remastered. That would be pretty cool. Um, I probably wouldn't get it right off the bat, but if they added more dungeons, maybe Link Between Worlds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like, probably would in a heartbeat. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. That, it'd be sad, though, for some of these games to be lost on that system. Mm-hmm. Um but at the same time, I think if they do do ports or remasters, it's going to be a while. Yeah, it's 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 um, like Metroid Prime. When did that come out originally? Uh, like two thousand two or something like that. Yeah, so it took them however many years. Don't re- yeah, I mean, uh, they did re-release the entire trilogy on the Wii. So oh, they did? T- okay. So, so I, I guess, guess technically it, that's not that. Yeah, I mean, air quotes technically. They mean they were they just remastered or they remastered the game to, from the GameCube to the Wii just with motion controls because you know you had the the Wii Um, but yeah, I've been wanting a Metroid Prime remastered for a long time, mostly because I never played the original Metroid Prime, and I just recently fell in love with the entirety of the Metroid series. I beat all the two D games leading up to Metroid Dread, and now I'm just clamoring and foaming at the mouth for anything from Metroid Prime Four. And now we're getting the remaster on the Switch. So I was like, yay! Yeah, so I think overall, there's a chance of a lot of the Nintendo IPs to get uh, remastered to the Switch or beyond. I think just a lot of these third-party like publishing companies, like there are a couple that actually no longer are there. Like um, the people who made Stella Glow, uh, their studio shut down. So Mm -hmm. the... Possibility of that getting a port or remaster in the future, I think it's very slim. So I think, yeah, you have to be kind of careful with those titles rather than the studios that are still doing well and still popular right now. Yeah, it's definitely always hard to get games from or games from studios or at least remasters from of games from studios that have closed down because we still don't know who owns the rights to certain games. A lot of people, at least in my Twitterverse or my timeline, they constantly talk about like, we need Illusion of Gaia. We need all these old SNES RPGs to be ported or remastered in some way so newer generations can have them. But we just don't know who owns the rights to these games. It's just, it's a hodgepodge. It's a, we don't know. And whoever is owning the rights is just hoarding them like a dragon, essentially. They're smog underneath the Erebor. Yeah, like look at Xeno, uh, the Xeno franchise, like Xenosaga is with Square Enix, uh, or sorry, Xenosaga is with Bandai Namco, Xeno Gears is with Square Enix, and then Xenoblade right now is with Nintendo, so there are all these different uh, places that are um, 
you could find these games, but it's it's hard to know when some of these publishers will commit to remasters or ports. And then we just saw um, Tales of Symphonia just got a remaster, but it wasn't very good on the Switch, unfortunately. It's not? It got totally panned. <laughs> no, I was going to buy it for the Switch. No. So they recommend don't buy it for the Switch, buy it for the PlayStation or okay, play the okay. PS3 version. Yeah. It's, it's really disheartening. I, I've never played it before. I was li- really looking forward to it, but then I just I saw the was... reviews recently. Like the load screens, everything's just bad and it doesn't look good. You're breaking all my, okay, you're not breaking my heart, but this news is breaking my heart. I was so excited for Tales since that was, I mean, I got Tales of Arise from my, I got really lucky on Tales of Arise because I went to a GameStop, they had one copy left. It was on sale for $30. I figured, screw it, I'm just going to go ahead and nab it. And I did so many, every, I mean, I watched the completionist video about it. A lot of my other friends were talking, were telling me how amazing Tales of Symphonia is. It's like up there in the echelon of GameCube games or even PS3 games. And I'm like, I need to experience this game. It's super expensive. It's stupid expensive. I don't have a GameCube. I was just like, uh, please remaster it. The news of the remaster was like, finally, to hear that because I wanted it for oh. my Switch. I wanted to play it on like that Nintendo console, but well, at least it's good. I was crushed too. <laughs> like, oh no. Uh, I mean, at maybe least they'll it's... patch it, but it's not looking good. Damn so it! That also, you have to be so. I think this is a perfect example of you have to be careful of relying on ports and remasters for some of yeah. the titles. Uh, definitely one port or one remaster of a game that definitely, when I first heard about it, I was like, "Oh, neat!" And but when the game came out, it was critically panned. Secret Amada remaster for the PS4. Mm-hmm. Now that game, talk about uh, an ass kicking on how uh, fans of the original just absolutely hated it. And then lo and behold, sometime later, we get the collection of Mana that has the original SNES version on it, playable on Switch, playable on modern consoles. No harm, no foul. And that's the, and even, um, what should we call it? I mean, I have Trials of Mana. That's I. I enjoy that game. That I think that game is fun. It's really easy, but it's still it's really fun for me. Um, but also like Trials of Mana or Secret of Mana came out in the SNES instant buy. Now we have a collection of Mana, and then they come out the remaster, and the remaster sucked. Everyone's going to collection of Mana instead. So, but yeah, you're absolutely you are absolutely right. We got to be careful of certain remasters because it's great they are remastering, but. Now that I know it sucks on the Switch, I'm definitely buying it for the for the PlayStation. Mm-hmm. <sighs> but that's a bummer, though. Yeah. Man. I had no clue. I was just gonna go ahead and buy it on the Switch and be I'm like, "I'm glad I warned you." Then. <laughs> I am very glad you warned me. I'm gonna have to update my Amazon wish list now. All right. Well, Emily, I believe that just about that about does it. Thank you so very much for coming on the show and talking about the 3DS and and essentially just going into the world of buying games internationally. Now I I think I have a a better understanding and a much better heading instead of just going to a website and throwing darts at the board. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me on, and it was fun chatting about all of our you know nostalgia for these uh, different games and systems and Mm -hmm. our, our love for collecting. Well, if you want to come back and chat again, you have an open invite. So, Emily, before we get out of here, where can people find you on the Internet? So I am at Orbalology on YouTube, Instagram and Twitter. Uh, So those are all my main uh, social 
contact and, areas. And of course, check out her. Wait, there she is. Check out her YouTube channel. It's really, it's really great. Very informative. Very educational. That's where I learned about how to check out if my Nintendo Switch games are first prints or not. So yeah, Emily, once again, thank you again so much. Um, hopefully we can snag all those games until uh, the eShop closes because as of this recording, the eShop is still open. You got about a month and a half, you got about half a month, less a month or less than a month until it completely goes kaput. So start saving or take out, or okay, don't take out a loan. Loans are bad. Don't do that. <laughs> but yeah. Um, until yeah, definitely next- prioritize what you want to get before prices start to Yeah, yeah. Them. Yeah, definitely do that. But anyways, until next time, unpause.